Welcome back to edition number 50 of Talent Talk. Our guest today is former standout pitcher for the UNF baseball team, Frank German. German was a two-time first-team All-A-Sun conference pick, and he was a fourth-round draft pick by the Yankees after the 2018 season at UNF. He was recently traded to the Boston Red Sox. We talked about that today and a little bit more. Just a note, before this interview was posted, he was also called in as a non-roster invitee to the Boston Red Sox spring training. So take that note and enjoy this interview. Welcome back. It's edition number 50 of Talent Talk. Uh, we've had a number of UNF baseball alums, Drew Weeks, Brian Baker, Joe Will Bruda, um, teammates, uh, Raph Libnow as well, uh, of Frank German was our first interview and here we're at 50, uh, with Frank German. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm good. Glad to get you on, uh, on the podcast. I know a lot of people uh, think highly of you around here, both on the mound as a, and as a person. And, uh, you were in the news lately, um, got some buzz on social media, got some buster only retweets and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, how did um, for people that don't know, how did you find out um, about the trade recently between the Red Sox and the Yankees? Yeah, um, it's definitely kind of definitely unexpected, you know. Uh, I think the day before they the Yanks pulled the trade with the Pirates, right? So they got a starting pitcher, Jameson, whatever. Yep. So a couple prospects went that way, and I was like, I'm thinking, am I part of this trade? At first, when I first heard it, I'm like, am I part of this? Like, I don't know not a part of that one so i'm like okay i guess i'm i'm gonna be a yankee this year like going into minor leagues with the yankees spring training with the yankees next day i get a call from our player director which is like he oversees all the minor leaguers he's about development he's a development director right so i'm thinking okay i'm in trouble something's happening (laughs) or either either i'm in trouble or something really great happened so i'm like okay my what's going on? Like, what's up? What's up? He calls me. He's like, I got good news. So I'm like, okay, maybe, I don't know, something, something good. And he says, I, we sent you to the Red Sox in a package deal without a vino, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow. I didn't even hear anything after that. I'm like, wow, really? Like the Red Sox, first of all, the Red Sox. And second of all, like Ottavino, <laughs> like what's going on here? Sure. I'm like, what players did you get back? Like, I want to know everything about the deal. They're like, we don't know everything yet. But basically, they pretty much just like bought your contract. So no, no players got sent back to the Red Sox except cash considerations. So pretty much like they got me as like a nice little sweetener for the deal. And, and now, you know, now we just wait, I guess. Yeah. Um little bit of background uh i see on different bios you're listed as your hometown is queens queens new york so do you have a family tie to kind of that area new york city and whatnot yeah actually um most of my mom's side lives in new york and my grandma still lives in queens undisclosed location but she lives in queens (laughs) still to this day interesting so um growing up um growing up did, was there did you know you obviously get drafted um go to the yankees uh were you a yankees fan mets fan growing up how was that uh yeah it's kind of weird separating fandom from like your career but i was yeah. a mets fan, actually okay i was a mets fan so but it did work out kind of nicely at first with the yankees because you know new york all that i could 
you know, I could fake that little story, but I wasn't a Mets fan from the beginning. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I was in New Jersey for a couple of years and I was, it was kind of split where I was in New Jersey, North Jersey. Obviously mm-hmm. you get further South, you start getting Phillies fans and whatnot, but most people, uh, yeah. um, the Queens area, you know, the Flushing area, they're Mets fans and, you know, diehard yeah, Mets man. fan. I grew up a Cubs fan and I was, I was raised to not like the Mets, uh, for various reasons since they usually got in the way. Yeah. They usually got in the way. I feel like you could go, you could go two routes, you know, especially if you're from a city like that. Yeah. You could go with like the underdog team or the star power team. So the Yankees were the star power. The Mets were underdogs. Like I was, I'm more of a fan of that underdog story. So fair enough. And, and, uh, you know, and a lot of people don't always understand that when you're in a city, uh, people would ask you, you're from Chicago, are you a, you know, Sox or Cubs fan? And you got to pick one, you know, you got to pick one. And some people from the outside don't understand that you're not a fan of both, you know, so (laughs) (laughs) there's always that that goes into it. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, so that was a big deal. Uh, the day of, I found out the day of of the trade, obviously, and seeing different people tweet about it, um, you know, major social media accounts and Buster only and um, getting traded with Adam Adovino, obviously, is a, is a pretty big name for serious baseball followers and has had logged a lot of innings in the major leagues. What is that like for you mentally? Does it, you know, feel weird to kind of be involved in something like this rare as well? Because it is a rare trade. Yeah. It is definitely kind of like, it's kind of weird, definitely, especially getting traded with Ottavino because unexpected, as I said before, but just like the two teams that were involved, uh, it is kind of weird because they do have that rivalry thing going on. Mm -hmm. So it could play out where, you know, I pitch against them often if I, if I'm a part of the major league roster. So that could be interesting. And I'm kind of, I got that in the back of my mind, you know? Fair enough. Um, so what's what's it like right now? Uh, you, you're dealing with the transition, obviously, after getting uh, that news. But in terms of being a minor leaguer, what's the reality for a minor leaguer right now with the uncertainty of the season for that level of baseball? Yeah, I mean, it is a little bit tricky right now. Been training pretty much just like the past calendar year, just hoping and waiting. But I think we're off to the right foot this time around because like last year there was a lot of you know what's going to happen we can't do this we can't do that there's a lot of restrictions but now you know we see they had a season last year they pulled that one off the baseball one you know football just ended pretty cleanly you know I mean a couple of speed bumps but so hopefully they can get you know send the minor leaguers out and I think it should should work out as long as we're you know safe and follow everything how, how are you training? Like, what are the things that you've done to train and stay in shape considering you're not able to compete at the same frequency? Yeah, I think, yeah, in April, that was like, that was a mess. So that was, mm-hmm. that was really early on, but pretty much like, obviously the baseball training is, it is what it is, you know, like throwing every day, running, like that's the pitcher's lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. But it does get kind of, you know, monotonous. And so for me personally, I like to play different sports. Like I like to play basketball too, like, you know, football, like anything like kind of athletic where you're like, you can work on your athleticism while also like getting a good workout and sweat going. Like that's all, that's all I'm, that's what I was about. Like last year, you know, kind of like trying to just 
be a better athlete, but also concentrating on baseball, but all around too. Sure. I think that's what, that's what I was trying to tackle because it does get boring to do the same thing over and over again, especially if there's no games involved. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about being a pitcher, you know, obviously there's only so many times that you can throw off of, against the wall. There's only so many exactly. times that you can run poles. There's only so many 100%. times that you can do a long toss, you know, and all those things about basketball. Did you and uh, Depperman go one-on-one -on -one much? Cause I know he was a big basketball guy. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I think that's a funny thing because I think we played kind of recently, like me and him, and I'm not going to say who won because <laughs> I didn't, but yeah, he is a good, he is a good athlete and a good basketball player. So yeah, we've, we've, we shared a couple battles for sure. Both of you guys, uh, very, very, very high up in the charts, strikeout pitcher wise at UNF in terms of uh, records and wins. Um, got to see Brad pitch. And then I came on the wings of your career here at UNF um, and really blossomed at UNF. Uh, for you, you know, before we talk about some of those numbers at North Florida, why was it UNF? How did you come to UNF? What was kind of that process like? Yeah, um, I think that's also kind of a funny story too, because at first I was committed to a junior college, Lake Sumter State College, mm -hmm. you know, not too far. Mm -hmm. But I always had like my eyes set on UNF. And I think that's because one of my cousins was a student manager at the time in like 2015. So I was like, he would always talk about UNF and like how the baseball team's doing. I'm like, I want to be a part of that team. Like, it sounds fun. Um, I feel like that would be like a perfect school for me, you know, and you can play at the highest level. So I really was like pushing them. I was like, tell the coaches about me. Like, I'm doing good this year. Like, and, you know, he was more just like, yeah, whatever, whatever. Like, we're going to see what we can do. But I think at the end of my senior year, right, there was a little buzz about me. Just like there were some schools like approaching me. And one of them was like US, USC Upstate, right? And that was a school in the conference. And I'm like, okay, if one of the ASUN schools is, you know, talking to me and all that, like this is perfect bait for UNF. So I told X, I told him to tell everyone. And then from there on, went up to UNF, you know, met the coaches, did all that. And that's kind of how that happened. And it was really like a smooth, it was really smooth. It was kind of like, just like, it, per it worked out perfectly in my book, you know? So you end up going to UNF um, and you develop into, uh, you know, their ace uh, in that 2018 year leading into that high draft, that high draft slot that you got. Um, how did you develop as a pitcher at your time at UNF? What are some of the things you added to your repertoire? Um, I think I was freshman year. I was mainly like a fastball guy. I think my freshman year fall, I got lit up. You know, I think the team was the team, the team hitting was really good back then. So they lit me up kind of like, so then I was like back to the drawing board because in high school, everyone, everyone's good. And like, if you're good, you're going to end up, you know, having good results. So I kind of went back to the drawing board, developed like a slider pitch, tried to, you know, develop feel for a changeup. It was pretty much just like get more than get a complete arsenal. You know what I mean? Because, you know, everybody can hit a fastball these days. That's just, that's just the reality of it. So unless you throw 102, you're going to need something else. And that's what I learned at UNF. So do you remember kind of velocity increase after, you know, number wise, what you came in at throwing like a four seamer and then what you left throwing a four seamer at? Yeah, I think my freshman year fall, I was like 
you know, a flat 90 or like around there. So I was happy when I hit 92, 91. And then, you know, three years of like weightlifting and all that at UNF turned into like 94, 95. So that was, that was good. I credit, I credit them for that, but that was all part of just development, you know, at UNF. So I've heard a couple of people when I've asked about you in terms of what your fastball looked like, it kind of, kind of starts and rises a little bit at the end. You get a little bit of that hover um, on your four seam. Uh, do you attribute anything to that? Do you try to get under the ball at all with your fastball or is there anything different you're doing when you're throwing a four seam in particular? Um, I think my grip is pretty much like pretty standard, except I think most people hold their thumb on the bottom of the ball and I'm more of a, on the side. So maybe that's a little something, but I think it attributes to my, like my arm slot. I'm pretty much like, I'm kind of like a windmill kind of over the top kind of guy. So my fingers are always going to be like behind the ball, you know, and that, I think that really helps me like backspin it better than, you know, maybe someone else would, you know? So that's what I think about that. A little windmill. Yeah. I've seen a couple, I looked at, you know, I was looking through your bio and I was looking at some of the action shots, seeing where you're gripping some of the things and, <laughs> It, I could tell you were throwing a fastball, but some of them, it almost looked like it was a slider grip, kind of like what you attributed it to yeah. getting around the ball with your thumb. Um, going into, you know, developing some of your other pitches, um, how has that process been? In particular, once you got to minor league ball, how did you try to develop that changeup and slider more? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question too, because minor leagues is like, it's kind of like going into college again, you know? So playing baseball every day, like you have no excuse but to develop every pitch you can, try every grip, you know, try every kind of slot, anything, you know, just try to make everything, anything move. Okay. So for me, that change up was key because righties, I felt comfortable, but lefties, you know, a little bit uncomfortable, you know, and you need a little something to go away from them. And that was the change up, but, you know, for some reason, mine didn't want to go away. So that that's still something I'm developing like to this day, but I feel it's been, I've made good ground on it. You know, I made good ground and, you know, minor leagues, like when you, when the season's going on and you just go to the field every day, it's easy to go through the motions, but you have no excuse, but to, you know, develop those pitches or else, I mean, what are you doing? So talking about minor leagues, um, it's interesting to try to explain things to people when they don't have a frame of reference about what it's like i'm sure that happens a ton with you and explaining i'm in the minor leagues why is it so hard for people to understand the reality of being a minor leaguer yeah i don't i don't exactly know i think they just don't get the structure of it like when you get drafted i think most of people assume that you're going to be playing with judge right off the bat so that's kind of like First, you got to explain that to them. Like, no, I actually kind of have a little bit of a ways to go. But then I think they also assume that you're making good money, too, which is, I mean, that's been talked about in baseball for a while, like for the past couple of years about how the minor leagues, you know, the pay is not quite up to par. But I mean, it is you are playing baseball, but I think people do get that, like just misconstrued that, you know, you're not going to be a major leaguer right off the bat. You're not going to make figures every year in the minor leagues at least and then you're probably not going to eat quality food all the time 
So that's what I, I mean, I don't think a lot of people get that part of it, you know? You, you summed it up pretty well. I mean, yeah. I remember when I was working with the Iowa Cubs shortly, one of their relievers, he was uh, about 28, 29, and he logged good. He had some good numbers there, but in the offseason, he'd go back to South Carolina and he worked grounds for the Gamecocks, you know, and he did mm. that type of stuff, you know. And um, yeah. as far as for you, what are some of the things that you've seen minor leaguers do to get by, whether it's diet, whether it's, you know, what restaurants you go to, how do you, yeah. you know, supply extra income, do things like that? I think that's, yeah, that's a good point because that is not uncommon for someone to just get a little job in the off season in addition to training for baseball. So I've, I've seen a lot of Uber drivers, like Uber's very popular, especially during spring training. Cause in spring training, you train in the morning. So you got Uber all day, every day, Uber eats, um people i mean investing in stocks like people are always looking for that money especially in the minor leaguers and i'd say that you're gonna end up eating mcdonald's at least a couple times during the season you know in terms of that diet thing i mean you try to keep a good balance but after like a seven o'clock game and nothing's open you're gonna have to go get that mcdouble that's yeah that's keeping it 100 for sure that's for everybody you gotta you gotta explain the reality um because i'm sure there's a lot of times you're just like man you know people don't really understand even getting drafted as high as you did how much effort goes into it because you know you look at the d league for example on the nba draft i mean you're having two rounds you know yeah. but it's essentially the same number of teams but having 40 rounds and having guys do that but we'll see how last year and the cut down of the number of rounds impacts the minor leagues too yeah um which is another thing any um any moments in the minor leagues any games experiences that really stand out to you so far as ones that you always hold dear to your heart um i think personally i really enjoyed playing in staten island the my draft year that was like that was pretty cool because you're first of all you're so close to New York. Second of all, the view is amazing on the on the field, and it's just nice to like live in a different part of the country. Because you know, I've I've been a Florida boy, went to school at UNF, so that was a different like I haven't played baseball everywhere. So you, Staten Island, that was great. I think last year in Tampa was cool too especially because like so close to the facility, like you get the rehab players. So you end up seeing CC Sabathia pitch. You end up seeing Andujar play judge. You see Stan hit a bomb. Tulowitzki was there for a little while. And so those are all great things. Like you get to see all these like players, how they work, how they do go about things. And then, you know, most, and they're all nice and they, you know, buy food after the game. You don't have to end up going to McDonald's. So that's good too. And I think personally, I enjoyed like the last month of the season the most because I think those dog days of like the summer, those that's actually a true thing. Like you end up, you're tired and like, you're like, oh, I don't, sometimes you don't want to go to the field. But I think the last month of the season, like that little, we had a little playoff hunt, a little playoff race. And that's when, you know, the intent, like the good baseball is being played and everyone's like locked in. And that's, that's what I enjoy the most. What's the, you talk about some of those guys that you've, you know, had come through and have seen um, some guys that have a veteran history 
to them in, in, in baseball, any nuggets or pieces of wisdom that you've kind of held on to from some of those guys, or if you've had interactions with coaches? Yeah. Um, I think for me personally, it's CC Sabathia, just the way he approached the start was just different than any other minor leaguer I've seen, you know, like he was very meticulous about his workout. Like he knew when and where he was going to be at all times. He was in the training room an hour before he was warming up 30 minutes before he was in the dugout, like two minutes before first pitch, the trainer already had like his water and his Gatorade. He like, he knew exactly what he was doing. And it seemed so professional, even though if, it maybe it wasn't, maybe he didn't know what he was doing, but ju it just seemed that way to me. Just everything was on time, on schedule. And he might've pitched the five e easiest innings I've ever seen, you know, five innings, like 55 pitches. And then he left. And that was just, to me, that was just uh, the epitome of just professionalism. And he just did his thing. He did his thing. You can't even like, can't even say anything about that. Anything bad. So is, Talk, going back to the dog days, what were some of the things that you did to get yourself through those days? How did you pass the time when you weren't at the field? Yeah, that, that's also a good question because living, I, I played in Tampa, so I was living at home. So at home, I mostly just did like kind of like family things. So it's like kind of like I was like in high school again. Like I was like eating dinner with the fam sometimes. Like I'd see them. They come out for the game. So that was like probably easier than most, but on the road, like if it's a long road trip, you're going to get bored because it's a hotel room and, you know, you don't really want to do anything, especially if you're pitching the next day or something. But I think we did try to like keep it loose and try to have a good time too outside of the field. So like, especially in the Florida league, like you're going to be at a place where there's going to be a beach or there's going to be like a nice restaurant you can go to, or you, you're going to have like, a free off day where you can like actually have a good time. So I think Daytona beach was like the best time we had because we were at the beach, the hotel was nice. And there was, it was like on the beach, you could walk there. So all the guy, like the whole team, you know, that team chemistry bonding kind of thing. We all went out there, had a good time, blah, blah, blah. And then we ended up winning. So that's just how that kind of thing goes, you know? Yeah, I'm sure it was kind of cool for you to be able to be in your backyard playing the sport yeah. you love and growing up. I mean, regardless of what level it is, still being a minor leaguer is a huge accomplishment. And then being able to do it in Tampa, having your yeah. family around is a special thing that not a lot of people know uh, know what that would be like until it happens to them. Um, 100%. I know you were, uh, I believe you studied computer information systems or something like that at UNF. That was that was my major original freshman major? year, but I had to okay. switch that one up. Okay. I had to switch All right. that one up, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there was a demanding degree for sure. Is there any um, any other things that you work on on the side, like outside of baseball throughout the year that you kind of do as a, you know, self-improvement thing? I don't know if that time allows it, you know, yeah. to happen, but. Well, yeah, this past fall, I did like re-enroll to UNF to like take a couple classes because I'm not quite done yet. But yeah, I mean, I had a bunch of like free time last fall for sure. So my like, you know, my parents were like pushing me to do it. So I'm like, whatever, I'll do it. Took some online classes and then you, you, you're quickly reminded of how school works again. You know, all those deadlines and discussion posts and all that. So 
you get on that grind and then, you know, it's game over. Going back to UNF, um, that senior year you had quite a run or that, sorry, that 2018 year you had quite a run uh, and a couple huge games. You, I believe you had a battle against Logan Gilbert and then um, a huge game against K- Kennesaw State um, in the tournament. Um, favorite game that you you pitched at UNF do you could you pinpoint one Mm, I think those were two good options right there already so the Logan Gilbert one was that that was a duel the Kennesaw one was good too because that was the tournament time and that was like you know that's why you play baseball so I think those are two good options I'm trying to think of like a sleeper option like I think I enjoyed pitching against like those Flo- the, the Florida teams, like Florida, like maybe South Carolina when we played them. Like those were cool because you're playing against SEC competition, the best of the best. And, you know, we hung in there both those games and we put on a good performance. But obviously, you know, we couldn't we couldn't quite get in. We couldn't quite get them. I know the year after they beat Florida, but that year we did not beat them. You know, that was tough. But. I always enjoyed playing like the big schools because, you know, that was just added adrenaline to the fire. Yeah, you uh, you got to host, you know, number one Florida. We're getting to host Florida again this year. Uh, they're number yeah. one preseason. So, I mean, schedule is insane. Yeah, it's it's no joke. There's no rest for the weary in the in the non-conference schedule. And even in the conference schedule this year, they got Georgia, South Carolina, yeah. Florida, Florida State. You're playing JU, Stetson and FGCU that many times. There's no yeah. uh, rest for the weary. That's for some good sure. baseball. That's some good baseball. <laughs> yeah. And you know the best. I, I mean, that's that's the thing about baseball, too, that not all, everybody grasps was the A-Sun brings that and baseball down here brings that that's why you get to play those sec and acc 100%. teams um asun definitely deserves some respect because mm-hmm. we do play the best of the best yeah i mean uh, a number of great teams um and then even after you left uh they added liberty so you gotta you got yeah, another good I team mean, in there i mean there's really no letting too. up right yeah. and eastern i believe eastern kentucky has some good teams occasionally and they're getting added as well um mm. as far as you as a pitcher any uh any guys that you liked watching growing up you guys you looked up to yeah i think i'm a i'm dominican so my parents you know raised me on that dominican i think that's why i play baseball because like that's just like a that's a given sometimes but pedro martinez was like the dominican hero because he's just so nasty back then and, and those especially the red sox days so that's pretty cool and then me being a Tampa guy, like, I love Chris Archer. So, Chris Archer, in, you know, he's back in Tampa, so that's a great thing. And he probably – the way he can just, like – he's like a strikeout artist, and that's, like, kind of the pitchers I like to watch. Like, he knows how to strike people out. He knows how to, like, move his pitches in a way where, like, the fastball will tunnel the slider in a perfect way and, and result in that swing and miss. And that's kind of, like – that's the pitches I like to watch, like the strikeout guys. So Max Scherzer, it's a good one. Um, of course, Verlander. So like those righty strikeout pitchers, that's like my niche right there. Pitch tunneling right there. That's some uh, That's some next level discussion right there. That's the new yeah, pitching wave. You know, that's... That is, <laughs> that is some new age type stuff right Yeah, there. that's some new age pitching lingo. Uh, <laughs> no doubt. It's always fun to watch those strikeout pitchers, whether it's even some guys' strikeout pitches that, that you know, 
backdoor two seamer or front oh, door yeah. or uh change up even guys like kyle hendricks doing that as well um those front hit two seamers those yeah. are a beautiful thing to watch you can't you can't look past those there's a lot of those good stuff so on nasty, yeah. on twitter that's probably <laughs> the majority of my twitter consumption is uh watching those um oh, me so look too, at, man yeah you you got to stay locked in on it i mean it's uh it's never ending source of uh a video on it today especially so <laughs> 100%, yeah dude chris archer though great you know he's his curveball the way he'd break off some curveballs i i did he has a good 12-6 and then um Pedro Martinez, unparalleled changeup screwball pitcher too, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, man, that's you know? that's the pitch right there. That changeup, yeah. I don't even. I'm still trying to figure out how you can how you can throw that. I'm still I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah, he turned that thing completely yeah. off the table every I'm, time. I'm, that's baffling to me. It look it really did look like a screwball. It mm-hmm. really did. Yeah, good night to left-handed hitters too. I mean, exactly. thinking that's, that's a fastball. That's what, yeah. What you were talking that's, about. That's what I need. That's, what, yeah. that's the thing right there. That's exactly what I need, man. So looking ahead to this next month, February is a huge month for minor leaguers. Um, kind of what's the day-to-day and how do you stand locked in for whatever might happen? Yeah, you know, this is actually kind of exciting because, you know, it's kind of like training with a purpose now because the games are about to begin. So I'm kind of just like waiting word on like what the Red Sox plans for me are. So I think minor league camp is going to be a little bit after major league camp. So we don't know. I don't know exactly when I'm going to, you know, drive down to Fort Myers, but it's, it is exciting now because you are training with a purpose and you can hear like there's talks, like there's talks of like, okay, this is about to happen. They're about to agree on a 162 season deal. And so you, you're, you're beginning to feel baseball in the air, especially after like football just ended basketball's like getting underway so it's baseball's time now and you're you're starting to feel that a little bit yeah that's a and and obviously being involved in the recent deal too and and adjusting to that and that whole, provides a whole new level of um energy i'm sure um any other shout outs anything you want to leave with frank shout outs i mean i shout out the unf baseball team this year i think they're gonna you know kill it we're going for that tournament title so I'm shouting them out, you know, Eddie Miller, TP, Abraham, all of them, you know, they're going to kill it. Um, what else I got? Uh, just UNF athletics in general, you know, like, you know, keep, we're keep pushing, keep pushing the limit. Well, thanks for that PSA, Frank. Thanks for taking the time to jump on. It's a great day behind you. I uh, hope that you have a, a, a good rest of your day and uh, we'll be following things uh, in the next couple of weeks. All right. Thanks, Brock. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for listening to Talent Talk. Find the complete archive along with feature articles on unfospreys.com by going to fans and Talent Talk podcast series under the multimedia tab.